Last Tuesday, March 12, 2019, several thousand Newarkers gathered while thousands listened or watched at home to Mayor Ros Baraka's State of the Union, uh, State of the City for this year, 2019. Unlike its better-known cousin, the State of the Union, which is given live before an audience of elected individuals and their invited guests in the grand marble of the Capitol, the State of the City is given to an open audience of residents of the city of Newark in the largest performing arts venue. Also, unlike its federal cousin, the State of the City included not only a speech by the chief executive of the city, but performances by Newarkers and video testimonials on what's going on here in our city. Here's a quick rundown of the entire program that occurred. We began with an introduction and a welcome by a young Newarker. Then there was an invocation by a member of the clergy. There was a rendition of the United States National Anthem by what seemed to be the youngest singer, singer I've ever seen sing it. Then we had a song and interpretive dance of the classic, Lift Every Voice and Sing. We had a poem. We had a video entitled, We Are Newark. Then we had the speech by the mayor himself. And finally, we had a closing benediction by another member of the clergy. I didn't time it precisely, but the entire presentation clocked around, you know, three hours. By far, the crux of the state of the city was the speech given by Mayor Baraka. He began with an all-too-prophetic quote by Martin Luther King Jr., admonishing us that human progress never rolls on an inevitability. He then shared his personal narrative of how and why he became mayor, what would become a recurring theme throughout the speech. He then migrated from topic to topic, beginning each, each section with a video testimonial. The sections could be broadly described as economic development, jobs, education, youth leadership, public safety, quality of life. He ended with an enthusiastic and climactic exhortation to the crowd to hold the line. Here to discuss what was covered at the State of the City, we have Halashan Sianapar, a resident in Newark who has written pieces about education and politics in Newark. Um, so basically today's discussion is going to be uh, um, Halashan and I going back and forth and talking about what we saw. And I figured we could start off with just, you know, a general impression of the whole entire presentation from the welcome down to the uh, closing benediction. So what do you think? Um, I mean, it kept me interested the whole time. I thought it was pretty good. I, I, uh, at the I did not watch the State of the Union, the federal cousin, <laughs> so I have nothing to compare it to. But I, like, I was engaged the whole time. Yeah, there's definitely was never um, a boring moment. I mean, it felt like a performance at NJ Pack um, and longer than most. I mean, I've been to concerts there that have only clocked in at like an hour and a half at, or two hours at most, um, and this definitely was from beginning to end a, a show. Like so the video, the breaking up with the videos, I thought that was a good touch. I don't know if he usually does that, but um, but like it like it really made the stub subject stick out in my yeah. head that way. Yeah, for, so for full disclosure, um, Potter Market was actually invited and we did attend as um, members of the press and we signed the press box. And for me, um, I, I had only ever read the, the State of the City before. I've never seen it. And it, it was a very different experience to to see it because it is a a speech proper like like the State of the Union. You the the mayor is speaking. He has a tone. He has presence. Um, he even had an, an outfit that was very interesting and maybe worth commenting on. Um, and that's very much you know not the same as reading the dry words on a page that um, I usually do for the State of the City just because I'm a faster reader than than listener. Um, and it was. It, it, you being there, you felt the energy for sure. There was no, there was no doubt there was any energy. Did you feel that by watching it mm -hmm. away? Um, what did you think about the energy? Was it was it appropriate or 
Yeah, it seemed like it. Yeah. It, it, it was weird for me because I'm so used to speeches being not necessarily toned down, but um, the videos were cool, but they did chop up the speech. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on, on the video? Like you said, the videos were, you thought were good. Yeah, I thought they were good because cause then he would speak about it right after, you know? So for me, it like it really helped me think about what he's talking about. Yeah, and I think for me, it did help because I was taking notes the whole time. It did help. Um, space out my notes because I knew we were moving on from you know economic development to jobs and then to education although I felt some things kind of did bleed into each other maybe there was a little um, repetition um, but before we move on to the core of the speech was there any other part that you thought was interesting that was outside the speech that you saw um, I didn't I didn't really um, watch like somebody sent me the link the, to the Facebook so, like, I started watching, I think it was Facebook Live, so I started watching some of that, and then I watched the rest of it yesterday. So, I didn't quite see the whole thing, but um, I did like the poet, because um, yeah. I saw that twice, so it was kind of cool, like, uh, it just, it was, uh, like, the it was a very visual poem. Yeah, she had a great line, let's see, where did I, oh, your God and your order, which I think was one of my favorite lines I've ever heard in a Newark-based poem, and I think I know exactly what, I, I think I've been to the restaurant she was talking about, and... Um, it's it it was very evocative, and I and I think its placement right before the the video that then led into the speech was clever because it it kind of gave it a, a forward momentum uh, in a way that if you just go from the national anthem to um, straight to the um, to the speech, there wasn't as much of a buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah, and a, and a quick aside um, to uh, let me I'm gonna get her name right here. Brianna Cameron, who um, was, I don't know what age she was. She probably was four or five. She sang that national anthem very well. Um, keep up the hard work if you're listening, Brianna. Uh, I think you definitely have a future as a singer. Um, and honestly, that was by far the most precious moment of the entire uh, program. Um, and at, just for the listeners at home, I will try to post, um, if the city officially releases a video, the official video release. Um, and I, they gave us a transcript as a press release. I'll try to post that on the show notes. Um, but if the city does actually release it officially as well, not just to the press, but to the public, I'll make sure that there's a link to that too. Well, the Facebook I watched was from the city. Oh, it was actually the city's official feed. Okay. So I'll I'll definitely put a link to that if they don't have the video. Um, was it like a Facebook live thing or was it? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody like sent it to me on messenger, but I, from what I remember was a Facebook live. Got it. Um, so maybe we could just like run through the different, um, sections of the speech, um, it is broken up into sections. There's this first part that doesn't have a name, um, which is basically his intro. Um, and it started basically in, I don't know if this was an intentional lighting cue, but he starts in darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the light comes up. I don't know if that was intentional or if that was a mess up. Um, it was hard to see his, uh, his features were kind of obscured. Um, and it wasn't until the lights on that I, I realized he was wearing that special outfit. Do you know I don't know if that outfit had a history or if that was a particular. Um, so I was watching it with someone, and she um, she was like, "I bet you he got that in Ghana." So, so another friend of mine <laughs> said that too. I just had no, I had no historical research for that, but like it seemed um, a very, for lack of a better term, post-colonial wear. Like it wasn't a suit, right? Mm-hmm. Suits obviously associated with a long history of capitalism and um, and Western identity and. The first image I got with the suit, well, not his 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 suit. I don't know the name for it, 
Um, and if you uh, follow us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, please comment on this episode and tell us what the name is. Um, I, I, I got the feeling that he was pushing back on that um, identity and trying to offer a different um, look. And his shoes also, I, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, sorry, I, weird thing to notice, but like his shoes were this lovely reddish brown that stood out against that suit. Not to talk about his suit. I mean, his speech was very important, but I found the suit was a conscious choice. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts on like the whole look of Braca on stage? No, I mean, I, I thought he looked sharp. Like, um, and first, actually, when I first saw him, I thought he was dressed down. You know? Yeah. Because I, I wasn't really paying attention until till, uh, the other person watching was like, "Oh no, I bet he got it from Ghana." And then I saw the whole outfit, and I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty fly." Yeah. And the other thing he didn't have was a podium, or sorry, a lectern. Um, and that's weird, right? For a speech, you're so used mm-hmm. to. Um, for for our, our best analog would be um, Cory Booker. I think every state of the city, at least the pictures I saw, he was holding a lectern. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but and I haven't seen, I haven't physically seen Baraka's past speeches, so I don't know if this is his usual style. I feel like I've had to see at least one, and I thought he was behind one. Okay, so this may be like something new for him then. I think so. I mean, I I can't remember if I saw last year's or not, but I have seen him. Give him like a state of the city type thing before, and and he was, he looked more traditional, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he began with. Um, so obviously he comes out on stage. He begins with this interesting story um, that I think is actually worth commenting on because it's not part of Newark's policies or anything, but I think it informs what he's trying to do. He was at National My Brother's Keeper, um, the I think it's an Obama uh, founded organization, and he talked about there was a protest outside. Um, and I think he described it as saying they wanted more from Barack Obama, the the protesters. And he basically talked about how he criticized these protesters for targeting Obama. Not that he, I think Barack, I think, still made clear that he didn't necessarily agree with all of Obama's policies, but he was upset for them disrupting the event. Um, why do you think he included that story? Like, what were your thoughts? I mean, that... <laughs> That that uh, that point I, fe- I felt like was kind of throughout the speech. Yeah. So that um, that was odd to me because um, I felt like when he wasn't in office, he was one of those people protesting. Yeah. So it's kind of like, are you saying that what you used to do was wrong? Like I, I don't think he would say that. So it's like, I don't know. There was, like I remember when he was running and he was talking about like, I need you guys to make the noise. Because I have all these other forces pushing on me, right? Corporate forces, whatever. So I don't know. I don't know if that's like he has to do that, but it kind of seems like be like, okay, yeah, thanks, thanks for your input here. Like the, to me, it's all part of the input of residents. Yeah, it, it was interesting because I. This is going to come up later. I think we're going to talk about this, but like his relationship to people who are criticizing what he's trying to do or what other um, people who are trying to help people of color urban environments there's definitely that theme running through but it was a really weird place to begin because if anything you associate baraka and his family with a history of protest of mm-hmm. counterculture for lack of a better term um and just to be like no like you know waving his finger like you guys have got it wrong was kind of interesting um and he said this line which i thought was fascinating those who say they are the clearest are often the most confused I don't know if that's the exact wording, but this is how, what I have in my notes. Um, 
And then he, he kind of, from there, started talking about his own personal history. You know, he's a Howard University alum. Mm-hmm. Um, he graduated, I think, in 89, which is weirdly the year of my birth. <laughs> um, and he talked about storming. The funny thing is now that he has the flips, this is exactly what you mentioned. He talked about storming the administration building. Right. To get, do you remember what he, I can't remember, I don't have it down here. Do you know what he was trying to get from them? Oh, I forgot now too. Oh wait, no, I've no, actually no. heard him say this story more than once. Too. No, it just came back to me because it's a it's a big thing in the news. It's um, Lee Atwater. He wanted Lee Atwater off the board of Howard, which is a great. I, I did not know this history. I didn't realize Lee Atwater was on the board of Howard University. <laughs> um, and I think what else did he talk about? He talked about his. Uh, he called, he described his own history as activist. Mm-hmm. He talked about um, singing at city hall. Do you know what he meant by that? Ah, I don't really remember yeah. that um, that line. Yeah, I think I, I have it in my notes. I'm trying to remember it as best as I can. I think he meant that he led people singing as a form of protest. Okay. In city hall, um, that makes sense. He talked about um, peace with street gangs, which is a common mm-hmm. theme uh, or common thing that he did as well. Um, became mayor of the oldest and most important city of the country. Um, and he won with 70% of the vote in 20... Last year, was it 2018, the election? I'm, I'm losing I, my mind here. I believe so. Yeah. Um, and then he talked about that people shouldn't just be activists and they should be builders. That's um, good. I mean, I agree with that part, yeah. but I kind of felt like there was... He was... in my I felt like he was kind of discouraging the protest part, yeah. which I think is part of it, right? If you only protest, I do think that's worth criticizing, but but it's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I think this is going to keep coming up and up again. Um this idea of like how do you deal with negativity and what do you call negativity as opposed to it's, you know, kinder cousin constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like that was one of the tensions. It's definitely going to come up later when we talk about some other issues. Um and I just have this other quote here he said which is um Newark is still moving forward, but forward is only a direction. Um how did you interpret uh, that, that line? That didn't uh, that didn't particularly uh, stand out to me. So, yeah. um, what do you said? Forward is only- yeah. He, I, I, again, I, I, would, I encourage our listeners to look at the speech itself to get the lines correct. But um, I have it in my notes as Newark is moving forward, but forward is only a direction. Hmm. And I think it was a comment about progress and that progress is not just um, linear. I think. I mean, I, I don't know how, to, how okay. else to interpret it. Um, and maybe that has to do with his comments on, like, w- how does Newark develop? Um, and the next thing he mentioned was Amazon, which is, like, the probably one of the biggest news of his administration of the last year. Um, and we already did a podcast, just our last episode, about the Amazon issue. But I don't know, do you have any comments about Amazon and its effect on the city or, or the whole bidding process? Uh, I, I wasn't... Um a big fan of that actually mm-hmm. like i like i like baraka I've, i actually voted for him both times um but uh i didn't the amazon thing was kind of i put that in the same category of him wanting the casino i didn't really think either one was a good idea oh my god a casino no <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah he i think he described that there were backward narratives yeah i mean like like i like uh, he makes good points. Like, I mean, I never want his seat, right? Like, so I've heard him say, like, uh, he kind of goes from this, what I consider, it's like a practical angle, right? Well, this is the way we can get jobs now. 
So what what other people are talking about is like pie in the sky, yeah. you know, and uh, and I think there is some truth to that, um, but. I think the people that are pushing back is how you get closer to the pie in the sky, right? Yeah. That's how I feel. So if we're saying, hey, you know, Amazon's anti-union, like that's not a bad criticism. Like, you know, right. that's like, oh yeah, you know what? Like they can keep making that noise because, because, I, I mean, that that was so weird to me when he when he did the the Valentine's Day thing to Amazon because uh, it was yeah. like. It's like the Amazon guy was just in Queens talking about how, yes, we definitely do not want them to unionize, you know? And mm-hmm. It seems like, mm, seems like maybe, I don't know. It was weird to me. Yeah. I, it wasn't, I wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> yeah, he ended up talking, he, to get to your point, he talked about the trolls on social media. And uh, we've been dancing around this since the beginning of the podcast, but I think we should probably just talk about it at this point. Like, who is he, like, when he was talking about these criticisms, who do you think he was talking about um yeah just people people that um that don't exactly see it the same way as him right i mean some people are there's some people i think that he's talking about specifically that are that uh that maybe are a little more personal right some people like you know they're like oh he's he's a crook or blah 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 like that's very personal they're not criticizing his policy so he could be mostly referring to them but 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 that's not the impression that I got. It seemed a little broader, and that's what I thought was unfair. Yeah, and, and like I, I feel like we could like break it up, right? Um, he does mention this later in the speech. He he called out RLS Media, yeah, which I think I think everyone knew her <laughs> thinks of as the harbinger of doom. <laughs> um, I mean, do you have any thoughts on RLS? I mean, I I, I actually uh, uh, I used to I used to teach at Arts High, so I used to work with him. Um, so I thought that I was like that sounded like that could be personal because it's really I mean yeah. RLS is somebody's initials. Oh, this is an actual person. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a Russian bot that no, was no, just no. like going around scaring that's, people. That's somebody's initials. Um, I, I I feel like it's wrong if I say who he is. So no, no, no. It's, and I'm not I'm not asking you to divulge that. Um, it's I think you should approach RLS as its own and yeah as its I own mean, thing and read it for its own. I'm thing. sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not sure, but I, I would imagine that. Yeah. You know, like he started the company, but there's probably all these other people that are involved with it now. You know, right, right. so um, I feel like RLS is in the same thread, and this is like part of the history of Newark, and like there are levels and deepness below that iceberg of just RLS. I think reminds me a lot of old Newarkers, you know, who've moved out to Belleville, Bloomfield, you know, Union. Um, and their views on what's going on in Newark. And I feel like there's that's one aspect of the trolls on social media. It's the mm. like, okay, you know, I remember what broad, broad used to be like, right? And, you know, it's changed too much, right? Or it doesn't look, it doesn't feel the same like it did in the 60s. Is that, oh, okay. I, I, you know, I don't really follow RLS that much, but yeah. I feel like it's just kind of like, um, like quick stories, right? There's no, there's no like... There's nothing like this, right? Where it's like you're in depth talking about the topic, right? Is there? Um, no, there isn't. And and, and uh, granted, I I will I will say that RLS is a more of a, an it's immediate like, news outlet right. in the way that Eyewitness News is right. for television. And and I and I'm not trying to accuse RLS of doing anything um, 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 malicious. I'm just saying that the way RLS is also not doing long form stories. It's not doing a podcast. It's not right. doing what Brick City Live does, not to call it Brick City Live, but I think is an alternative publication where they go into longer depth articles. Mm-hmm. RLS is like, literally, we heard this on the police beat, 
right? And like this is what's like we going get there. On. I think because yeah. to me, I feel like his whole thing is we got there first, right? right? But, but I guess my my thing is, and not to make this a discussion about RLS, but I feel like this it's important to this discussion about the state of the city, is that it its only view is a view of, um, like n- I, again, this is a rough like more of an intuitive feeling than an actual percentage, but I feel like 90% of the stories on RLS are like X person was shot. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So maybe there are feel good stories that I don't know that are on that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them, I've seen them talk about like when, when the kids, when, um, you know, like pop Warner or something like that, I've yeah, seen yeah. that too. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think probably the crime stories get more, publicity yes. maybe they get shared on facebook more <laughs> right that's i think a definite fact i think i haven't seen an rls so article I, on facebook so that was positive I, so i kind of thought that that's what he was referring to but what i what i was asking you about is when you were saying like hit so his i he's like a what when you were saying it's like a perception of like old nork so you mean like RLS is sort of, um, this is how people used to see Newark. Yeah, or saying? how they currently see it. People oh, who used curr- to be here currently see it. That's okay. that's one of the trolls, I think. All right. The other troll, if we're going to break down and parse this line, which may be putting too much emphasis on one line in his speech, it are the people who are criticizing what's going on, but mm-hmm. who live here, who have a deep investment in this place. Um, and I think that's a major thing. Not, I don't want to say a theme because it's not his. I don't think it stood out to intent. me anyway. I'll yeah. say it stood out to me. Yeah. So what do you think about that? So what do you? How do you think Brock uh, discussed the issue of people who, to take an example, MX3 has always been a very contentious right. thing, and this does come up in the speech at one right. point, um, specifically. Actually, I think yeah. he actually specifically said MX3, which blew my mind because I thought he, he would try to dance around and he, it. And he and he went and said like you know people are complaining like twelve instead of ten stories or something yes, like that. Yes, that was it. Yeah, that was a line. And I and I thought that was like a little I thought that was dismissive of like what what I felt like some people had really people felt really passionate about it, you yeah. know? So Yeah, I, I I agree with so I have a lot of friends who have a particular view on MX three both going both ways. Yeah, me too. We had them on this podcast. Um <laughs> and um I don't I think that line I think belittled them a little too much. If I'm, I'm going to take that critique of the speech, um, it wasn't a difference between ten and twelve stories. I think that was very reductive. Yeah, I kind of gave him a pass actually. Like I was, it right. stuck out to me. But I was kind of at that point, I thought he was totally going off the head. Yes, that's why I figured it was uh, that was all off script and ad libbed yeah. at the end. <laughs> but I did, I did, um, I did still feel a little, you know, because I. I I had this like weird feeling. I, I'm way too empathetic sometimes, um, for better or for worse, and I will always try to identify with the underdog. And I, for me, the, the, my my first feeling was going out to the people who I think were being implicitly criticized. Because I mean, it was originally 18, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the people, like they have a very big belief on development in the Ironbound and the aesthetics of the Ironbound, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's just them, you know, waving their finger and um, they're not. I mean, are they outsiders in the sense that all of them were not born here? No, some some did grow up here, but mm-hmm. mo- you know, a good amount of them did move here. But they moved here with, I think, good intent. I don't think they're, you know, to use a term with a very very loaded um, history, carpetbaggers, right? Um, they're they're not here to extract wealth. I think in that same way, they're here to build homes and live here. And I think they have a particular view of Newark, and I think it's legitimate. Whether or not it's the right view is a different question. But I, I think um, they're not malicious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do you have any uh, any other thoughts of like maybe who else was he targeting when he talked about criticism? Um. Oh yeah. Well, he um. And then he talked about the water. Yes. The yeah. people outside. Um. I mean, I don't. I wasn't there, so I don't know if they, you know, if they were uh, particularly um, like uh, mean to him or something. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, the line you're referring to, um, and I have in my notes here, but I don't want to you know, spend the time searching for it. But he talked specifically about lawsuits, and I remember this coming up because. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm a lawyer by training, and. Um, there are aspects of the law I criticize and I, and I think are wrong, but I fundamentally believe in the sort of system of law that has been developed in the United States, um, the idea that litigation can bring about justice. And to criticize the, like, people suing, I was just like, they're, they're plaintiffs with injuries. You can't just show up in federal court, um, and I think in state court, too, just being like, I hate what's going on, you know, fix it. These people are people who have been harmed in some way, either being, you know, having children who've, you know, um, been um, uh, diagnosed with lead poisoning or heightened le- or discovered to have heightened le- lead levels. And I understand you could critique, like, you know, the solution may be to, like, you know, you may have a particular view on the solution, but to say that, like, suing is counterproductive, yeah. I mean, if you feel like you've been harmed or you've been disturbed by the city, sometimes that's your last resort. And I thought that was weird because those are – I'm assuming residents of the city. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know more about, I haven't followed, I, w- I want to do an episode on lead, the lead crisis at some point. Um, and I, I'm not exactly familiar with what's been going on, but I'm assuming the people who are suing are residents, right? Right. Um, I don't know. Do you know anything about the lead crisis? Or? Um, yeah, they, uh, they, um, um, now I'm drawing a blank. I forgot. You, you, yeah, okay, it's it's fine. No, no, and, and like I said, it, it actually really deserves its own episode. I don't think we could do it justice. I don't think the mayor tried to make it a big part of his speech either, so right. I don't think it's fair to talk about it here. Um, but um, moving away from like the sort of – we'll come back to probably the criticism, but I just want to see what other parts of the speech um, that came up. So we had the first video that comes up in the speech, which is about development. Mm-hmm. Um the videos were interesting because they were, um, it was never one person, which I thought was a kind of interesting. It was always like, you know, at least three or four people who had very different roles within that area. Um, so for development, we had um, someone talk, I think, I don't know if the mayor himself talked about it, but someone talked about growth without gentrification, mm-hmm. talking about um, providing eviction representation in Newark, um, creating the Equitable Growth Commission. That was a big part of, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping with development in Newark. Um, equity stakes in minority um, um, develop, uh, construction developers, which I thought was an interesting um, push. Me too. Um, and, oh, doing the loan and, and build workshop. So about that part of the speech, was there anything that you thought that was interesting that came up in the development section? Um, yeah, I really like the, the, the contractor thing mm-hmm. because I've seen him push that a lot. Yeah. And I think that kind of makes him stand out to me. Um, like even so, I went to a couple. Like actually, I think I only went to one, maybe two mm-hmm. of those men's meetings he referred to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and like he, um, I found him to be very inspiring in terms of like trying to get people certified. You know, like so there's like people there that'll that'll tell you about the process. He even one of the meetings he even handed out like a list of all the contracts we have, and he's like, oh, he's like, you know, if you think you can provide one of these, like let's make it happen. Right. You know, and. And his and his idea was like you know, um, like I'm trying to get 
Norkers in these places before, you know, you don't like when I'm not here, you might yeah. not have this chance anymore. Yeah. You know? So I like I that I like that about him. Yeah, and the to this is not quite the same thing, but to come up in the video, they did do the story of the young man who um who the city of Newark owned the lot. Like it probably had been ab- abandoned and there was a tax lien and the city probably took it through that mechanism. And then he got to build the house and they actually showed the video, I think like a drone video or something of the house. I mean, that was actually I thought an effective way to like rather than just saying the story. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought that was like an effective way of communicating, you know, this is what the city's actually um, trying to do. Um, do you have anything else to say about like development or? Um, I'm running through my notes just quickly to see if there's anything that pops out here. Um, oh, that's when, okay. So actually it was during this section that the universal basic income part came up. Okay. Um, and, um, do you, I mean, do you remember that part of the speech well? No, or? so so that was the weird thing. Like, I read about that in a couple of articles, so I was watching it, and I, and I didn't notice it at all. So, um, <laughs> so the the for me, it was actually the very next day. If you asked me, like, the one line that you – or one thing you remember from the speech, I, I think um, the UBI thing would have been the first thing that came up because that was, like, for me, the most concrete forward policy thing he was talking about rather than talking about things that have occurred in the city – it was um, a specific policy that he's trying to implement. It was still a little vague in the sense I didn't know the amounts that were, I don't think they came up in the speech. But for me, that was like groundbreaking because I, I love economics. I follow a lot of economic debates and the UBI one, uh, aside from like healthcare economic debates, I think is the most fascinating thing that's going on in this country. And he talked about having a task force, which is a, I mean, task forces can mean a lot of things. Hmm. But I think... It, He's trying to show that he's serious about implementing UBI. I mean, do you have any thoughts about how UBI would change the city if we try to do it? Um, I I was I was actually more of a fan of UBI when I first heard of it because I like read an article about some some like uh, native population in Canada. They did it and it and it and it, uh, and it like really improved their lives. Like they were able to go to school or like take care of their kids. Like there was. A, so it was very convincing to me when I when I first started looking into it. But then I started hearing, like, I guess on the left, there's, like, two different ideas. So some people say UBI. Some people say jobs guarantee. You yes. Know? So then the people that were telling me about, no, we want a jobs guarantee because it's, like, then you control the means of production, whereas UBI, you don't. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I, um, I, didn't, I didn't initially consider that. So I don't know exactly where I stand anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, UBI is a very interesting discussion. Like, I don't think it's worth having it here because I think there's a lot of, um, for some, UBI is a way to sort of undo a lot of government um, welfare or um, mm-hmm. um, services. For others, UBI is simply a, a means of economic justice or about, or, or if you just think of it as a pure um, growth or um, um, a mechanism for bringing people, you know, into a, a sustainable living, that's a very important thing. Um, what I liked about Baraka bringing it up is I think because of his history, he doesn't have to defend it. Like I'm the, like when I hear UBI being brought up by a lot of mainstream politicians, I get a little concerned because it just like because they're libertarians. Yeah, they got, they, well. Well, the funny thing is, it, I think actually UBI is like fundamentally contradictory to libertarianism, <laughs> unless you think it's a means. Like what I talked about earlier, if you think it's a means to an end to get rid of the welfare state, then it is a very libertarian thing. Um, but with Baraka, you don't bring that same baggage because right. I think you can actually believe like 
what he's attempting to well, do. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm I'm actually very interested to see how yeah. how it goes. I know, and I, I the, the only thing I'm concerned is like, and I understand like the city doesn't necessarily have the funds to give out like let's say twenty or thirty thousand a year, which I think is where you start really seeing fascinating things about UBI. That's very expensive. I get that. But if it's something as small as a thousand, I don't know how much that does. Yeah, from what I read, it was supposed to be, or I don't know about supposed to. That might be an overstatement, but it said something about a thousand a month. Yeah, which oh, a thousand a month. Okay, that's interesting. A thousand a month, and that that could actually save a lot of people from the the odd medical bill that like hits the family and could destroy the family, um, or the rent the that rent bill that comes due. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I thought I, I thought for some reason I had heard a thousand a year, and I was like, well, no, no. You know, that, that, that'll help some people, but, like, it could, particularly for people who find themselves in a slightly higher income bracket, that, you know, that's only Yeah, I think I read that. I think I read that in, uh, like, NJ.com or something where they, they quoted the number. Yeah. Um, oh, I also have another line here that occurred during this section, which goes back to our earlier um, argument. Um, we don't have the privilege to uh, rail against development. I don't think that was his words. I think that's just my note. But I think that's, like, the sort of part of the the like who is he critiquing mm-hmm. um you know talking about the privilege to rail against development right no so yeah so i've heard him say that before oh it's a common line he says right so so it's it's interesting because um because uh because so like w- when he talks about like um uh, people who i would consider like uh, are proposing things that might sound a little more radical then he kind of he, he seems to dismiss that as pie in the sky like yeah. you know we can't wait forever right and i and i and i um and i believe his urgency right mm-hmm. but at the same token one thing that kind of stands out to me is i feel like that's kind of a cammy anderson argument you know where cammy anderson was like, like cammy anderson was like kid only gets one chance at third grade so like mm-hmm. i can disrupt the system as much as i have to because i'm like i have these kids in mind you know but but the way it played out in Newark was people were like, this is way too disruptive. You know, like you need community input. Uh, so I thought like, why can't development be the same way, right? Like, why don't we want, why do we want it to be so disruptive? Why don't we get the community input? I see. Yeah. And well, the funny thing is I would also counter it with the next line that I have here that like he then said they shop at other places but don't want these things here. Which I thought was a really weird line. Do you remember that line or no? Yeah, but I saw, so like, you know, just because I've heard him talk about it before, I think like when he was talking about uh, people with um, what he felt like were kind of not practical ideas, right? He's like, you, you know, you already have a job. And he's like, the people that are criticizing me already have a job, but you're not talking to the people out here that are like, Baraka, I need a job. You yes. Know? So, so he's he's kind of saying like, this is more urgent than what, Right, what you're saying, and um, and that, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I get I, like I can't criticize him because, because, uh, because I, I, um, it makes sense to me to some yeah. degree, you know. No, and I think that may be right. I think part of my problem is then like that line itself. I feel like it, it doesn't have weird, the context. Yeah, it doesn't have the context, and it gets it's a weird dig because. I do shop at other places outside of Newark. I, um, you know, for some, if you to let the audience know, like the things that I'm into. I'm a very big mixologist. I make cocktails all the time. It's very hard to source the ingredients in this town. Um, there's a great distillery here, but that only gives me so much. You know, All Points West, great distillery, highly recommend it. Um, but I have to go to these other places because we don't have those things here. Oh, oh. So wait, so no, because I thought his reference is more that you know. Um, the people criticizing Whole Foods coming here, go to Whole Foods somewhere else. 
So like, why oh, wouldn't you, they? You, so why wouldn't they want these things here? Yeah, that, was, that's what I think he's saying. So oh, you're saying it's more of the reverse that um, they they don't want Whole Foods here, but they'll still shop at it right. somewhere else. Right. That's what I think he's referring I, to. I don't. I don't know how that true that is. I mean. It depends on who you. I guess well, some so, is who you're. That's why. That's why I don't think it's entirely fair, right? Like, yeah. every, there's some of the people that were anti Whole Foods or whatever, anti gentrification. They're they're not all doing great, right? I mean, some people are, right? Yeah, that's right. true. But I mean, that to that's a very broad stroke to me. Like, there's definitely people that criticize gentrification that can't pay the rent now. Yeah. So that so that same that same group of people he's talking about, like, I need a job now. Some of them are afraid of gentrification. Yeah, that's so that I don't think that's uh, you can't put people in like such small boxes. Right, right. I'm gonna put a pin in this because I just I want to eventually talk about like audience, um, which I think is like crucial to understanding this. But I want to get through the sections before we get to that. Um, we get to the next video where we talk about uh, building and jobs, um, or I think the, officially the section was called jobs. Um, they talked about the, or he talked about the lowest unemployment uh, rate in Newark. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. In the last, yeah, whatever, 40, 50, however long it's been. That that blew my mind. I didn't know that mm-hmm. either. Um, you, oh, the, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but no, that's fine. sorry. Uh, like, I think it was the somebody from like Rutgers or NJIT, and they were saying like their Newark students going to their school went up by like 80%. Like, that blew me away. Wait, say that again? I, I, the like they were saying like they were working with Newark High School students to get them into their college. Oh, and yes, it went up yeah, by like eighty yeah. something percent. Like it totally yeah. blew me away. Yeah, um, yeah, that was interesting. Um, and talking about other youth stuff, he talked about the youth employment program. Um, just a quick aside, I actually was part of that program when I was in high school. Um, I ended up working at UMDNJ, well, what's now called Rutgers or University Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the day, back in my day, kids, um, mm-hmm. I, it was called UMDNJ. And that was like a huge opportunity for me. I mean, I worked with the head of the Department of Psychiatry for two summers, Dr. Cheryl Ann Kennedy, someone who I still love and admire to this day. Um, that was a huge game changer for me. And I understand that that, that program is not necessarily like everyone goes to work at the university hospital. There's some people working at, I think Greater Newark Conservancy probably takes some interns. I'm sure there's some other city departments that take um, those um, youth um, to work. But I think it's a very exciting program. I'm glad it got a shout out. Um, uh, And they talked about the numbers being, I wish I wrote down the numbers, but he mentioned the numbers in the speech, which blew my mind. There was Mm -hmm. like thousands of students getting employed through that program. Um, Do you have any thoughts on the program? I mean, I don't have any experience with it, but like, yeah, all the stuff he was talking about, like as far as, so uh, when you said youth, I'm still thinking about the education part. Yeah, which no, is of course, kind of hard, but yeah, yeah. but like all all the things he talked about, what they were doing with them, like as far as trying to make sure kids from the city go to school in the city and get a job in the city, like that to me, I really like that about yeah. what um, what he's trying to do, and I don't really see, I haven't seen any other mayors talk about stuff like that, you know, like. Where like you know like Roger Leone was talking about how um, like you're guaranteed right? yeah you're yeah. guaranteed a teaching job here when you graduate yeah that's the that's, new, that's the, awesome the new academy they set up yeah right? I, I I wish I knew the name off the top of my head um, but that's kind of exciting um, yeah. to have locally trained um, and I teachers. and that that's something Barack was talking about when he ran the first time you know so to see that come together now like I think he definitely I mean I applaud that yeah. And there's like this kind of interesting uh, line that he used to describe this whole thing about call, calling it 
this is a paraphrasing, but uh, we are brilliant when the rules are fair. Yeah, that was that was great imagery that was, too. Yeah, that was that was actually pretty with I, the sports. Like, I, I have to tip my hat to that line. Yeah, it's a really really great line. Um, um, the idea that like it's the problem is when the, when society has stacked the deck against you, of mm-hmm. course you're never going to succeed. But sports is the place where the we have a level playing field, which I thought was a great way of tying all this together that mm-hmm. like this stuff is not happening in a, in a vacuum it's it's happening because we're starting to bring equity and justice to to jobs which is fascinating um do you have anything else to say about the job section no okay um so we have education so we went from jobs to education we talked to, they talked about how high school graduation rates are up which is good news um he called himself the education mayor uh, I'll give him that. Yeah, no, it's it's. It, I mean, like, well, I mean, in in the sense, I mean, he was a principal of a high school. Yeah, like I went to. I don't even remember what they were called, but he had these little like community meetings when he first got elected, and they were like you know in every little neighborhood. Yeah. So I went to one, and and like, I, I, you could just feel like he's the educator, you know, because they broke us up into small groups where you could feel comfortable talking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this guy's he's definitely an educator. Yeah, and and I mean I mean his whole background is like full of education. I mean, not just being um was the principal of Central High School, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um he also talked about his own education. I mean, going to Howard, going to St. Peter's, there's another school I'm missing and I can't remember off the top of my head, but he talked about his own background that was uh, a pretty unique, I think, experience. Um and they talked about um, the three mayor scholars at NGIT. I think they want to increase that to 200 or some lo- very large mm-hmm. number. Um, and it's weird to hear about the mayor and the superintendent. Although, actually, that's not true because Cammie Anderson and I think Cory Booker had a, had a previous professional relationship. <laughs> um, they, um, but it was very interesting to see Baraka shout out Leon um, yeah. and have that kind of, I don't want to say buddy-buddy, but like a very, very like authentic relationship. Mm-hmm. In a way that maybe wasn't true between Surf and, and Baraka. Yeah, no, I think I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited about what what they could get done together. You know, not yeah. just them two, but I'm just saying because they have a good relationship. Right, and and the and the board will also be another interesting thing. Whether I mean, I know I, I think the way the board elections run now, it's like either you're a uh, you're pro Baraka policy candidate or you're um, an opposition candidate. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how board elections pan out this year. Yeah. Um, definitely a future podcast episode. So keep that in mind, listeners. Um, Another great line, make room for black and brown boys, which was um, mm-hmm. an interesting – that was in reference, I think, to the Street Academy. Um, yeah, that's and, also pretty impressive, like when they showed the video and the things they're doing at the Street Academy. Yeah, I thought that was pretty impressive. It's, it's something I have no experience with, so I feel bad talking about it because I, I'm really talking from pure speculation. But I don't, can you speak to just like what is the Street Academy? Uh, I mean, I – I did. I saw the video, but I also like I've read about it a little bit. But it just seems like it's it's somewhat of an alternative education program, right? And they um, and they and they uh, and they help them. You know, it seems kind of like social worky. You know, they right. they help them uh, either graduate or get into a trade or whatever they yeah. need. It seems like. So yeah, um, we go. So we go from education to youth, which I think is dovetails with this. Um, street academy mm-hmm. issue and that was a very stark part because i think that's where he got his most um i don't want to say serious because the whole speech was serious but his most um it, it was the saddest part because that's where we actually talked about death mm-hmm. um and there was two stories that came up one more famous than the other i think but um he mentioned there was one um young person who was i think it was a male um who was killed by his mother's boyfriend right um beaten to death in fact 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second story, which is very famous, was this young woman who was... Um, was at a vigil. It was at a vigil and shot. I mean, there's, there's the cruelest irony I've probably ever heard in my life. Um, and he summed it up with an African proverb, which I think was great, was poignant and really great, which is um, there's a tradition that you ask when you visit someone, how are the children? And the response is supposed to be, and this was a great line, mm-hmm. the children are fine, right? And that was a great, I think, bringing us back to reality. I think, you know, with all the good news in New York, we, we can't put ourselves in the, the clouds and forget that, like, someone was killed at a funeral. Mm-hmm. Another person was beaten to death, right? Um, and I think that was really interesting to bring that in as you're talking about the Street Academy, as you're mm-hmm. talking about what you're doing for young people. Um, I'm trying to see what else was but mentioned. That, that was part. one of the things I liked about him when he was running. He was talking about uh, creating that street team. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and I think... Uh, when he, when he credits that uh, to to the crime going down, I believe that you know. Right. Whereas I didn't believe that when Cory Booker was like a crime's down because blah blah blah. Like I I don't even yeah. remember what, I don't even remember what the reason was, but I didn't I didn't buy that. But but this um, like I've read a couple articles and even I think like maybe one or two studies that seems like it's it is very effective. This idea right. of people that have been through trauma or what or incarceration or whatever that they're able to talk to these kids in a way that everybody else can't yeah no and i think that was very very powerful because like you could only bring up so much technocratic data you know before people stopped listening to you and and you could be as true as you want and and be like you know we're actually fixing things but if you don't reach people in that same way like yeah like i remember he he referenced that you know uh uh, violence is a public health issue. Yeah, and uh, yes, he, sp- he explicitly said that. And then, and that's when I read the paper, and it was—I don't even remember what university it was, but it was about, it was it was she was from Newark, and and it was studying Newark, and they were yeah. showing how like violence spread throughout the city. Like it started in the Central Ward where the projects were, and it kind of like moved like around, like yeah, it moved around like a disease. Yeah. And then they were saying that these people kind of function as uh, like uh, like. I can't think of the word right now. Um, like a vaccine, you know, because yeah. you get a little bit of the the disease because they they've been through it, but they they cure you that way, right? Um, and then we, funny enough that you mentioned that because in the next section is safety, and it's kind of weird as I'm going through here. Something I didn't notice when listening to it that these sections actually really segue into each other very well. So whoever mm-hmm. structured the speech, um, whether it was Barack or a speechwriter, like kudos to you because I'm just noticing that right now. Um, and he talked about community engagement. I mean, mm-hmm. it's no, it's there's no surprise that Newark is under consent order. Um, mm-hmm. That the you know we have a very fraught history in the city between cops and the civilians and um, the government and civilians. Um, do you think? What do you think? Separate from what Baraka said, how, how do you feel? What's the word on the ground? If you have any sense of it about the relationship between public safety and Newark residents? Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. Um, like, I don't. I don't hear. Like, my I say I'd say my block is like kind of family oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't really hear people talk so much about the police. Like that, you know, they might talk about like, you know, someone down here sells drugs or mm-hmm. the addicts hang out here. But, but as far as like how police treat people, I haven't really right. haven't really heard people 
say much. Okay, so. I, I only ask that because, like, you know, I think living in and a I'm world... just way too old to be harassed by the cops. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's a separate... Because, like, you live in a world where hashtag BLM is a, is a thing that people talk about. So, and I think similar to, to the Me Too movement, is it provides a lens that people weren't looking through before. And I just can't help but ask that question because I feel like that's the the sort of loaded. Like I feel like piece a, in it. I feel like a teenager can answer that question best because you're like always on the street walking somewhere, yeah. and I mean that's when I felt it the most, you know. And then I mean driving too. Driving is also an issue, but I don't feel I don't feel as worried driving in Newark than like if I'm driving in. I don't. I guess I shouldn't attack some other town, but whatever. No, I know uh, what you. I know Bloomfield what you mean. Bloomfield yeah, yeah. or Belleville. Like I'd much rather drive in Newark. Right. No, and I, <laughs> I, I think I think our listeners who have that experience know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but that is its own podcast episode. Um, so to, uh, to, to move away from that relationship, there was an interesting story that came up about safe passage to schools, which I get, but also is like really hard to listen to. This idea that like, like when I think of safe passage, I think of like. And aren't like, you know, the Red Cross being ex- escorted through, huh. you know, a demilitarized zone because, you know, some conflict has broken out. Right. But we were, t- they were talking about kids getting to school, which was yeah. crazy. I mean, I, I actually, I like the idea because, um, cause when I taught, there were kids afraid to walk home from school, you know? Right. So I think, I think if, if, if these are trusted people in the community, like, um, it, it probably makes that whole, that whole process easier and 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 I imagine that eventually it'll just it'll just be normal right they won't be ever afraid to walk home from school anymore yeah. i mean if as long as they can keep funding this right 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 um yeah and i think that's part of a larger theme he brought up which i think crystallized around this line of breaking the cycle of hurt and trauma mm-hmm. i mean it's very rare when you hear politicians talk about it in the language of trauma which is a, a fundamentally psychological lens uh, instead of like, usually you hear about it in terms of justice, right? Which is, mm-hmm. I think these are connected things, but to talk about it like it's trauma, right? People, what people are experiencing in this city when they need, when they want to feel safe is a traumatic experience. And um, he talked about working with the DEA, with New York Public Schools, about dealing with students who've witnessed a crime, which is the first time I think I've ever heard. Some people talk about like, you know, preventing crime from happening, but mm-hmm. I've never heard at the Newark Municipal level officials talking about dealing with witnessing mm-hmm. a crime. Um, do you think that's going to develop into something fruitful? Or? Yeah. And then and the other thing I think you referenced, like they, I, I hear people talk about these public safety roundtables. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've never been to one, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like, I mean, if I were going to actually give a good opinion, I feel like that would be good to see in person to see, you know, if people are really... Like, if your input's really valued, you know, when you go and talk to the police, I don't know. I'm yeah. curious. Um, well, I think this then segues into the next issue, which is quality of life. Like, how do we make it better for people in Newark? Um, and he talked about data-based decision-making. Um, one of the things that came up, I, I don't know why this came up in the quality of life section, but they talked about Moody's increasing mm-hmm. our, um, our, rating, our bond rating by two points, I think. Which is a big deal. I mean, that's that means we can pay our bills. I mean, that's something... You know, I think a good development for the city. It means it costs less to get money, which is a weird thing to think about. But it's a way that we're held back from being being able to do projects like this. If you, you mean, if the city wants to implement these programs, I mean, you could do a lot with volunteers, but only so much before you really do need people with dedicated salaries to doing this stuff. 
um, the, one of the the lines that got the most applause, which I thought was fascinating, was plowing our streets. That was like <laughs> a barnstormer. Like everyone's like, yes, we can plow our own streets. Yeah. Um, I mean, you live in a residential section of right. New York, right? I mean, when it shows, I mean, have you felt like um, well, a I, good so, response? So I just I just moved there. So I'm like uh, I'm off of Clinton Avenue. Yeah. So I just moved there, and I used to be in an apartment building. So it wasn't like they. The streets always got plowed in front of the apartment building, so that wasn't like it wasn't a big deal really for me. But when I saw the pictures online, I was like, "Wow!" So now I would say it, my street's not plowed as much because I'm not on a main street anymore, yeah. you know. But um, I haven't I haven't had really too much trouble with it. Nice. Um, and I think there's a reference to um, the Newark's People Assembly. I don't know if have you gone to any of those meetings. I went to one of those. What's it like? Um, well, so that part where he's talking about, like, you have access to, to like, city officials. Like, that part's cool because, um, you know, well, at least for me, like, a couple times you're trying to get something done. You call City Hall or you go in there and you can't find the person you need to talk to. So there it's a little easier because, like, the mayor's right there. So, yeah. like, I, I feel like in some ways they, it's like they're putting on a good face, but you also get your question answered. Yeah. You know, so... Um, so I I had a particular thing I was trying to take care of. Well, this is a abandoned house next door to me, right? So and it's city owned. So um, one I was I was seeing like you know are there any plans for it? So they, I didn't really that question didn't get answered as well as I hoped to. But um, I'm also getting um, like rodents from there too. So they so they treated the area. So that was nice. That's nice. Wow. And that's through the assembly that you were right. able to. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he talked about it was not fluff meetings, and I guess your your anecdote really does show that they aren't. Um, and he talked about making people's voices heard, which sometimes I think is half the battle, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, sometimes I think this is actually weirdly a critique of his speech as well when he critiques people complaining. You know, the act of political participation sometimes does mean you just want to voice your hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think the the People's Assembly is about people voicing mm-hmm. their their own pain or their own. Um, disagreement with something that's going on. Yeah, I only went the one time, but I did feel like there was one lady that that was particularly adamant about the issue that she was seeing, and uh, and more than one you know city representative addressed it. Like you know we're not we're not just here like um, like uh, like pacifying you. Right, right. You know we're we we want to solve this, and like they took her information. I don't know what happened after that, but yeah. she you know she felt better. Yeah. Um, and this is actually weirdly connected. So this is the part of the speech where we get the one reference to the lead crisis, um, which after Amazon or maybe even above Amazon was probably the bi- one of the biggest political stories of Newark of the past year. Yeah. Um, he does announce a $70 million project to replace all lead service lines, um, which is great. I mean, like um, I, you know, for full, full disclosure, I live in a building unaffected by that. I checked the house I grew up in in Newark. It also was built at a certain time where there weren't lead service lines. So it's not a issue that affected me particularly, but something I know that has upset a lot of people. And I think it was good to hear that there's at least some kind of movement. Um, yeah. But it's also the same spot where we got him talking about people not walking in circles, you know, instead <laughs> of getting people to hire yeah. lawyers to sue the city. Yeah, yeah. They're using it as stepping stones to build their own polit- personal initiatives. And I was like, I just feel like that was not necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Because it's, yeah, I think that's an unfair criticism. Like people, people feel, people feel a certain way, right? Like, because I look at his career, right? Right, right? And he talked about 
Booker's record, and he talked about Cammie Anderson. And I don't think he was just building his career, right? Yeah. He was also concerned about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, right. And, and But that's how people also, politicians do build their careers yeah. through crises. And that's, I think, important. <laughs> I mean, Baraka <laughs> built his career through that. Yeah. Um, Booker built his career as a, effectively an anti-corruption, yeah. anti um, anti the old ways of New York politics, right? right? Um, and I thought that was a little unfair because like it's people are really hurt by that. And I understand that like as a mayor, you're the lightning rod, and so you experience that in a very unique way when people are constantly complaining. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do get like people complaining about stuff that probably doesn't exist or things that like you know um, are not actually occurring. Um, I can imagine like he's probably gotten people like you know trying to like use it, use the lead crisis also maliciously. But I feel like as a whole. It's just the language I feel like is just not necessary when you're talking about the yeah. lead crisis. But I mean, kudos to them for you know getting the seventy million to to replace the line. Yeah. Um, and this is actually getting towards the end. So because it was because yeah. I mean, like just from my own experience, right? I um, I uh, I heard them, and I think I'm I like I try to be involved, right? Yeah. But um, when when I first heard about the lead. Like, I remember the robocall, like, that some of the activists yep. referenced, right? That he said the water is, like, is clean, but it's the pipes, you know? So, so like, that that's confusing, right? I think that's confusing. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think, like, um, like, I think I'm pretty intelligent. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, I was, so I kept drinking the water. I'll be honest. I mean, I don't really care anyway. They say that the trouble's for the kids, not me. I mean, maybe one day we'll find out that's wrong. But anyway, I kept drinking the water. And then, um, but then I had a baby last summer. So then I started getting yeah. more nervous, you know, because I'm like, wait, what if there is lead? You have skin in the game. Is that yeah. True? yeah. So then, um, so then I called to see if I had, well, I looked at the map, right? It came out in the papers now. Mm-hmm. And then my house was not on the map. So um, then I was like, all right. Oh, no, no, no. Um, there was something weird. Yeah, my house wasn't on the map. But then when I went to, um, the recreation center. Yeah. They looked me up and they said we're not sure. We're uh, not we're not sure if you have lead or not. Yeah. Oh no, I called. I called 4311 and then I went to the recreation right. center and they both said, "Yeah, we're not sure if you have lead or not." And I'm like, "So why wouldn't you put me <laughs> on that website that like maybe I have it?" Yeah. Cuz they just said I don't, like I was fine. Yeah. You know? So that was like I didn't think that was good either. Yeah. And then um and then uh, I, I, it took me forever to get tested. And when I finally got tested by the city, they lost it. So The pipes. No, you get my pipes yeah, tested. Yeah, yeah. Then they lost my sample. So so then I just got it privately tested. Right. Because it was like, this, like, this is taking way too long for, for me to have assurance, right? I want to yeah. know. So it ended up being over, but not, not, not crazy. Like, some people had really high numbers. Like, you know, they say it's 15 parts per billion or whatever. Right. And mine was 18. But so it's not crazy, but it's over. Yeah, you're right. You're like 18. Like, what does that mean? I mean, the funny thing is, we're not scientists either. A lot yeah. of us. So there are I'm scientists not. who live in the city, <laughs> but um, not all of us are scientists. And for us, it's like 18 over 15. You know, my cholesterol is like what you know something over something, and it's a little. I mean, bit I'm over. not going to let my kid drink it. You no, know? right. But then that's when you become a parent. <laughs> you start realizing like I'm. I wanted zero, not not yeah. not 15, right? Um, but anyway, I, I feel like lead like should really does, does deserve its own episode. I think we're not doing it justice here, just like talking about it off the cuff. Um, but I just want to move because we actually get to the the end part of the speech where this is a sort of like momentum builds up and people start standing up and start shouting "Hold the line," which please explain to me. I think as a football reference, I don't really right. watch football, mm-hmm. 
um, and people start linking arms, um, and he starts building up momentum. There's a weird line he talks about letting a thousand flowers bloom. I only call that out because that line has a very loaded history, in, uh, particularly in Chinese history, um, where, where Mao uh, tried to allow people to criticize the government and then quickly crushed it. I don't think that's what Barack was trying to do. Hmm. But it was a very weird line to oh, hear. So I don't know the history behind yeah, the Yeah, so as a student of history, you hear like you hear historical echoes all the time and you get very nervous when you hear particular lines. Now I need to Google that's, that. Yeah, yeah, it's got a bad <laughs> it's got a bad history. And I'm not, I'm not accusing Barack of any malfeasance here. I'm just saying like that's a very loaded term um because of that history with Maoist authoritarianism. Hmm. Um but there was a great line. There's a great follow-up line about debating without demeaning, which I think is exactly mm-hmm. like the happy medium of like, you know, people should debate topics, but at the end of the day, we can't demean each other. We have to sort of bring some respect. Um, and it just crescendos into hold the line. Um, build a city that everyone can live in was another great line mm-hmm. uh, I saw there. Um, but then it also took a queer, like there's a weird pot shot. I wish I wrote down the line, but there was a pot shot to Booker. And then mm-hmm. there was like a pot shot to the MX3 people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was because of the ad-libbing. And maybe that's the problem with ad-libbing is you start like saying lines that you don't um, construct as well. Again, like I, I'm not saying Baraka really is trying to attack people here. But I'm saying yeah. like that's the problem with ad-libbing is you end up saying stuff that just doesn't quite, you know, that maybe is effective in the moment. But, you know, if you look back historically, it's not going to look um, great. I don't know. What did you think of the ending? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, he talked about stepping stones, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes, no, I have that line here. Yeah, stuff done. <laughs> so that I felt like that was a that was a Booker shot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then the MX3, he said, um, you know that uh, we talked about it earlier, but like the ten and twelve stories, and um, but it just it seemed flippant. So right. um, just sort of wrap up um, thoughts about the speech. So the first thing I want to talk about is just audience. Who do you think Baraka was speaking to there? Like, at the speech. I don't mean this in a literal sense. There were physically people there. But, like, who was his prime audience, do you uh, think? I don't really know. Well, because for me, I only bring this up because I, myself, I, this is probably my largest critique of the speech. Um, he was obviously speaking to people there and all the residents of Newark. But it was a very, very southward and West Ward and Central Ward focus okay. speech. I can so, see that. Yeah, and so, and so what I'm that's getting... That's true, yeah, yeah. that's okay. And, and what I'm getting at and is, I understand that when he's talking about the Street Academy, he when he's talking about um, economic justice, public safety justice, racial justice, he's not speaking to me, you know, as a white person. And I get that, and that's something I have to understand. But the weird part about it was, looking at all the videos, looking at all the references... Okay, yeah. I grew up in the North Ward. I spent a little time living in the East Ward. I now live downtown, which is definitely not the normal Newark experience. Mm-hmm. But I also felt that there was like a surprising absence of certain communities that exist in the city. Right. The Hispanic community was not referenced at all, I think, ever. Um, and it's a very large one in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, immigrants, I think, came up in one line. Um, and that's also another huge demographic in the city. And I felt that that was left out. And I just... He he didn't have to make the dominant part of his speech. I understand, like he could keep the rest of the speech, but to talk about what what the city's doing about its immigrant community, yeah, was I think worth mentioning. Um, yeah, he did have the one line. Yeah, he had the one line something yeah. about like it was one of the best cities for immigrants. Immigrants, to live in. right? And it's like that's a whole section in its own right. And talk about why, like yeah. you can't just say that and not explain why. No, I agree. Yeah, um, and I understand it was getting long at that point, but it just for me felt like 
Newark is a multiplicity of identities, mm-hmm. and there's one identity here that's been disserved the most and needs the most care. I understand that, but there's also others that mm-hmm. t- you have to get political buy-in from them, and if they feel left out, um, I don't want us to revert to the politics of, politics of division, right. which I think is Newark history, even before 67, I think that's Newark history going back to the Great Migration. Um, or even before that, you know, the first immigrants, I'm sure, coming into Newark were probably spat on and had stuff thrown at them. Um, and I just felt really weird that there was no reference to those. Yeah. The two largest communities I'm thinking of, Hispanic immigrants mm-hmm. and, um, sorry, Hispanic, um, Hispanic, the Hispanic yeah, even, community, which is separate from the immigrant community. Yeah, even development-wise, now that you mentioned it, I don't think they really talked about all the development happening in, say, Ironbound, right? Or, there's, or a ton of, there's a ton of development happening. Yeah, there. or this part of the city that rarely gets talked about, I think, I mean, because I'm from there, the Northward, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's another part of the city that has a very different dynamic, but mm-hmm. it's still physically a part of the city. And like I said, I, there's a lot of great stuff that's happening in the South Ward, and more stuff needs to happen there. But to not even get, like, a little salute, I thought was strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, that's just one critique of a yeah, larger, that. larger speech. Just, just uh, I don't know, I'm just going to throw this in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, from what I heard is that like, uh, you know, whatever, I'm speculating, but I heard that like Adubato and the Baraka family aren't exactly um, like really close. So no, it, that could be why he doesn't talk about the North Ward. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I think that has, has to do with like uh, Adubato's role in education. I think Baraka and Adubato have very okay. different views on education. I think there's other stuff going on there as well, but I think... I mean, don't forget, he, you know, Baraka was the principal of a district school. Mm-hmm. Audubon, the Audubon family runs a set of charter schools in the North Ward. Right, okay. Um, and, and there are probably other divisions going on there. Um, but um, anything else to say about the speech? I feel like it's a good point to just wrap up with final thoughts. Uh, no. I have like a whole bunch of ideas swirling, so there's nothing that stands. Yeah, out. yeah, no, it's 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 <laughs> definitely. I think the best way to experience it, besides listening to us here, is I do recommend um, if you find it's too long to just watch the whole thing, which I totally get. You know, reading, um, which I'll post on the show notes, reading the transcript because the transcript is not exactly what was said, but it's close enough. Um, it's worth reading as a resident of the city. I think it's um, a launching point for um, any discussion you want to have about how you feel about what's going on here. Um, because it does sum up a lot of what's going on. Um, but so this is the end of the podcast. I want to ask you, do you have any exciting things in Newark that you want to share? Um, yeah. Uh, so we, um, like, uh, they had this neighbors helping neighbors grant. Did you hear that? No. So it was, it was for two neighborhoods. It was for Fairmount and Clinton Hill. And, um, and then uh, I applied for it because uh, we're like trying to start a tool library. Mm-hmm. And then the Office of Sustainability reached out to me and they're trying to start a tool library. So it seems like it's very um, possible gonna, like that it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Like I think that could be cool. Cause, so basically I got the idea. There was, when I first moved to the neighborhood, there was like a whole bunch of handy guys, you know? Right, right. But like one day this guy asked me if he could mow my lawn and he was like cutting the lawn with hedge trimmer, you know? And I like felt bad for the guy. He's like bending over the whole time. He's like, no, I want to do it. Oh wow! And then I just started thinking, like, man, we need like we need tools. And and now that I'm a homeowner, like, I need tools to fix right, right. my house because I don't want to pay every time. But um, so then that's kind of where the idea came from. But then Office of Sustainability wants kind of do some of the same things. Like they were telling me they saw a model in uh, Austin where they they like drive to different areas and like you know help people fix up their houses and stuff. So I thought that was cool. So. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I don't, you know, it's not 
really uh, hasn't moved forward that much. But the fact that the city reached out to me, I feel like it's uh, I feel a little yeah. like it's more. And what's the name of the program again? Just to make sure that um, that I applied for. Yeah. What's called neighbors helping neighbors. Neighbors helping neighbors. Okay. Um, that's great to hear. Um, I myself went to the St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I stopped by that. That was a lot of fun. Um, That's like the biggest it's ever been, right? Yeah, I think so. It's so sad that they don't do it on the weekends, but I heard it's just more expensive and it's harder to do. Um, I wish more people could attend it. Um, this, the, the mayor of County Donahill was there, which we had an Irish politician and it was just amazing to hear him speak. Um, this is not a Newark issue, but he was talking about, Brexit and um, hmm. Ireland's facing a very, very tough history or a very, very tough future ahead of itself because of its history. Um, and the idea of a hard border, you know, hitting Ireland, it was very resonant in his speech. And it was kind of great to see. I, I posted a picture on my personal Instagram of Baraka um, shaking hands and hugging this this other mayor from across the Atlantic, which was kind of pretty amazing to watch. But, the you know, drinking beer, watching the 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 two um, the two bands that won the best marching band face off each other in Washington Park was a lot of fun and um, I really want to congratulate the people who organized that um, it's a really a really cool thing to do on a Friday and it was my first year that I had that day off that I could go you know go and watch it um, so let me um, let me wrap up the podcast here by um, by thanking uh, our guest um, Halashan Sienapur yeah. Um, this is Manny Antunes, host and producer of the Pod and Market podcast. Editing and sound engineering by Byphrase. Uh, podcast logo design uh, provided by Robert Conti. Additional creative input by Samantha Cateis. Pod intro and outro music by Dan Myler, a human. If you have a subject you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'd like to end with a quote um, from uh, one of my favorite authors, James Baldwin, uh, in a book that became a movie recently, a movie that I personally thought was robbed at the Oscars, probably should have definitely gotten more awards and should have been nominated for Best Picture. And that book um, is called If Beale Street Could Talk. When two people love each other, when they really love each other, everything that happens between them has a something of a sacramental air. They can sometimes seem to be driven very far from each other. I know of no greater torment, no more resounding void, when your lover has gone. But tonight with our vows so mysteriously menaced, and with both of us, through, though from different angles, placed before this fact, we are more profoundly together than we ever had been before. Take care of each other, Joseph had said. You're going to find out it's more than a notion. Thank you.